Welcome in to a little bonus edition of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo for this one, but this is just going to be a quick little update here. Like I said on Friday morning show, just so much going around in the SEC. Didn't have time to throw all this on the typical Friday show. So we're doubling up here, giving you guys double the content heading into the weekend. And of course, if anything emergency happens or anything like that, we'll hop on. We'll record another one. Six podcasts this week. We'll go seven if we have to. And if you guys are appreciating all this content on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, give us a five-star written review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. You do any of those, we'll send you our beer koozie free of charge. Just send those on over to that SEC podcast at Gmail. Dot com, But hey, all with the show, that's why we're here. And LSU started camp here under Brian Kelly on Thursday. Big news here with the Tigers. Kind of the biggest news item down there in a little while in Baton Rouge. Running back Trey Bradford, no longer an LSU Tiger, which chips away at the depth, obviously, of the running back position down there. But something I've been hearing some good buzz about, and we've been hyping this guy up for a long time now, John Emery, unfortunately, he didn't play last season, so he should be rested. And if you missed it, go back and check out our interview with Brett Sianca, Pick 6 Previews, talking about the offensive system. Brian Kelly's going to want to run down there in Baton Rouge, more of an eye formation, power, smash mouth. We know there's uh, uncertainty at the quarterback position, uncertainty on the offensive line. And if you got those issues, you're going to have to lean on the ground game. And all the buzz out of Baton Rouge is this is finally time for John Emery to take over. He's ready. He's poised. Five-star talent came in. He's going to be the one that leads the Tigers early on with with a schedule. It ain't easy right out the gate. Florida State, Mississippi State, week three of the season. So they have got to be able to manufacture points right away. And it's, you know, it's going to come down to that offensive line and John Emery. And if you've got an offensive line that's somewhat in flux, talented, they've added transfers, they got a star left tackle, true freshman, any offensive lineman would tell you they prefer run blocking over pass blocking, particularly when they're working for the first time together, getting that continuity going. So keep your eye on John Emery, particularly now that Trey Bradford not with the team. It's, it's going to be John Emery time there in Baton Rouge. But, of course, the star of the show, Kayshawn Boutte. It wasn't uh, sounding too good in the spring. Now it's all roses down there in Baton Rouge. That was the first question Brian Kelly got asked right out the gate. Kayshawn Boutte, who's going to wear number seven for the Tigers this season. Brian Kelly sounds fired up to have old number seven on his side. Back, uh, Kayshawn Boutte, wh- where do you see him right now with his health and what kind of potential? Is he a guy that could win the Blitnikoff for you if he plays up to potential? Well, this this was my first glimpse at him, quite frankly. And, you know, he's, he's an explosive player. Um, he's learning how to practice. You know, today he, he was a guy that I had to, you know, remind him a little bit about how to practice the right way. But... You know, he's so committed. Um, he's worked so hard. Um, I'm excited, you know, for him, really, uh, because his, you can see his, his potential is, uh, is one of can he be the best receiver in the country? I think he can be. Uh, but you've got to go out and do it. 
Uh, but he, I just like the fact that he is totally committed to what we're doing and how we're doing it. And now he got a, a chance to see how we practice for the first time. And, um, you know, he picked that up today as well. His, his player load was pretty high today. It was probably a little bit more than we maybe thought um, that we wanted for him, but he handled it well, and I expect him to even um, continue to build on that. So uh, yes and yes to all those things, and uh, excited that he's with us. But when it comes to that offensive line, when it comes to the quarterback, those are things LSU just they don't have answers for at this point in time. And Brian Kelly is very transparent about that entering his first training camp down here in Baton Rouge. Uh, so let's kick it over to Brian Kelly. I appreciate the transparency here. But it sounds like they like the group they've got at offensive line. It's starting to piece together already. We know we got, uh, the, the again, the five-star left tackle Will Campbell, the in-state prospect. He's locked up the left tackle spot. It sounds like they're kind of forming what they want on the right side with uh, the only returning assistant coach down there in LSU, of course, Brad Davis, the offensive line coach who served as the interim head coach for LSU in the bowl game. Let's kick it over to, again to Brian Kelly talking this offensive line and, and the questions that remain on that roster entering training camp. You know, Martinez, Dellinger, two guys who – Excuse me. Who've kind of cross-trained a good bit? I guess where are they kind of mainly focusing on right now in the line, and where could they be? Using yeah, them? that's a good question. You know, we're, you know, I was, uh, Brad and I were kind of, you know, having a conversation about it even during practice because there's a lot of moving parts there. With, you know, Dellinger's at guard. We want to see him at center a little bit. You saw Frazier at guard uh, with Bradford, but you know. Frazier could play tackle as well. And, and so we've paired them up on the right side because we think that they're interchangeable. Um, you know, we like the, you know, the fact that Bradford's got really good feet. But, you know, Frazier's got some length. Um, so long story short, um, as it relates to the specifics of your question, um, those guys are you're going to be center guard combinations right now. But I think it's important that there's some flexibility here for the first two, two and a half weeks. And, and we'll build, you know, the, the starting five. And then, you know, finding, you know, finding the, the, the rotation, you know, where you have, you know, your tackles solidified, um, the center position. And then I think we've got some really good depth, you know, that's building in this unit. But I think it's going to take a little while for it to, to kind of pan out over the next couple of weeks. Um, could you compare maybe relative to, you know, longer stretches in your career where you had um, relative, you know, coaching staff and roster stability, just how you feel about the amount of decisions that a mostly new staff here has to make about a roster with a lot of new players between now and week one? It's a good question, um, and, and, and I think I think it's been um, answered by um, the way these questions have been posed as to whether it's the offensive line, which I said I think be patient, the quarterback position, the cornerback position. Um, I, I think that those those three critical areas, right? You know, corners, um, offensive line, and quarterback. Um, you know, a lot of good and bad things happen in those units, and there's questions that have to be answered. Now, I stand here in front of you feeling pretty good about the players that we've put together in a very short order that can go out and play at a high level in the SEC, but the fact of the matter remains, we've we got to figure out who those guys are. 
And so we're going to go through camp and, and um, you know, have to make some tough decisions and, and quite frankly, rely on um, evaluations in camp um, to do that. And that's a little bit different in my years. Generally, we've, we've had guys kind of, you know, everyone says the depth chart, it's always open. But, you know, you always have a, a guy penciled in somewhere. There's not a lot of penciling in yet. Um, so, yes, to, to your questions, there's some work to be done. Now, one final thing here. It's always interesting to see when a coach takes over what traditions he carries over and, and what he kind of lets go. I think it's a great sign that Brian Kelly is keeping the, the number 18 going. And not only is he keeping it going, but it seems like he's really taking it seriously because they're not just handing it to someone that uh, may have earned that honor during spring, during the summer. They have got to see who steps up and assumes the leadership of this roster. So last thing here on LSU, let's kick it over to Brian Kelly talking about the importance of the number 18 jersey down in Baton Rouge, which is still yet to be revealed. Who's going to wear that this season? Um, traditionally, the number 18 has been very special to this team. Um, are you looking to continue that tradition, and when do you hope to find a player to – wear that jersey number? Yeah, I think the tradition is real um, and, and needs to continue. Um, I've talked to the team about it. They believe in it as well. It's, uh, you know, we believe that that, that number represents uh, somebody that uh, brings all the traits um, every day. If seven is the most talented player from the state of Louisiana, we think that, that 18 is the one that brings all those traits that, that come to um, that, that player that leads in, in, a, in an extraordinary manner. Um, you know, the attention to detail, um, you know, just a great focus, uh, represents your program in a positive way, both in the classroom and the community, you know, on the field. Um, and, and so that, that's kind of what 18, you know, means, and, and it's important. And so um, we're, we're gonna award it um, to uh, a deserving player. Um, we're just not going to do that today. Now, next, let's skip it on down to the Plains, where it's interesting. Coming out of media days, Brian Harson and company, they did a really good job, but I was having a conversation with someone recently, and I was kind of expressing how blown away I was that uh, you know, some of the SEC network people, you know, I was hearing a lot of talk about Brian Harson and the performance he had and how we can't underrate Auburn coming into the year and I was I kind of roll my eyes at those comments but I'm starting to I'm starting to come around a little bit now I still think Tiger I still got Auburn number seven in the west and I think that says more about the toughness of that division more than anything else because hell I think in any other conference Auburn may be a contender but just the SEC is so damn tough but I love the fact that he's coming out swinging here. He did it at media days, and now that they're opening camp, he's coming out here with jokes. We'll get to that in a second. But it's almost like he saw what didn't work last season, and obviously it nearly cost him his job. And a lot, trust me, a lot of these coaches in these positions, they've reached the pinnacle of college football. If you're in the SEC, you don't get handed one of these jobs unless you're Chad Morris. <laughs> Who hell? He did a good job at high school. We'll give him credit. He was a good high school coach. But this is the damn SEC. You don't get here by accident. But a lot of these coaches, 
and maybe the, the previous Auburn coach who had his moments, no doubt, Gus Malzahn, they failed to adapt because they believe what got them there is what's going to keep them there. And the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, hell, he may be the greatest recruiter of all time, which certainly helped his dynasty there in Alabama. But the biggest thing is his ability to adapt. And he'll do it in game. He'll do it in season. He'll do it season to season. And we've seen that time and time again. A lot of these coaches refuse to adapt. And I love the fact that Brian Harson is, you know, at least he's, he's taken in the criticism and he's kind of turning it around here. So will that play off on the field? Again, we don't know. But right out the gate, <laughs> I mean, he's showing some personality here. He asks the media assembled, have they ever been part of a fall camp? And it's kind of hard to hear. I'll try to turn it up. But uh, one of the reporters says, does band camp count? Thanks, but I got a question for you. How many of you have ever been through like a fall camp? High school, competition, a few of you college? Huh? <laughs> it does, actually. Right. Hey, and I'm speaking, I'm speaking to the band next week. They're going through it. Yes, it is. Well, let me. I mean, th that clip in itself is better than anything Bryce, Brian Harson had all last season. Truly, it is. And another thing that, uh, you know, kind of caused somewhat of an issue down there on the Plains last fall was he was handing out hats to the media at one of the practices. And, and for some damn reason, that butt hurt some of the media down there. Well, what did he do first day of camp down there at Auburn? He's handing out T-shirts that says, I went to Auburn football practice, and all I got was this war damn T-shirt. So, again, he's turning all the negativity into a positive. He's poking fun of himself. You seem like a real asshole if all you do is you keep picking out a guy that is laughing at himself. Go back to Jim McElwain, who got run out of Florida after, hell, I believe he won back-to-back -back SEC East title. You know what his downfall was? We all know. The damn shark photo and how he wouldn't embrace it and how you know he got so offended by that. Brian Harson's doing a 180 on that. And I'm not saying it's going to result in him keeping his job, but it sure as hell is not going to hurt him with uh, all the media starting to come around, with the fan base starting to come around. They've got to execute on the field. That's more important than anything. But the schedule lines up well for them. They get two cupcakes right out the gate. They get Penn State at home, nationally televised. You win that game, you're going to build momentum all across the sport. Missouri's your first SEC game. You get them at home. I'm just saying, hey, they could be 4-0, 5-0, right, right out the gate here. They play LSU. This is their second SEC game. But, hell, they beat LSU last year. So, I'm just saying. Auburn, a team to watch. And that is something that uh, Harson hits on here. Settling the score in arena. Talking seasons coming to an end. That's something they're working on here in the Plains. Uh, as well as quarterback. You know, that is, that's a big issue. They're going to split the reps here between all four guys. Zach Calzada, TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, and the true freshman, Holden Grenier. And, of course, the offensive line, which has big-time issues. But an experienced group, a talented group. They've not put it all together. But Will Friend is back for year two. Uh, let's kick it over to Brian Harson. Talks about uh, all those issues heading into camp. And, you know, for us, it's a, it's a big day. So opening day to get everybody here, make sure everybody's good. And then we start practice on Friday because right now everybody's 0-0. All right, nobody's won a game, nobody's played a game, and 
you know, our opportunities right in front of us. So what we do in training camp is going to be extremely important, all right, to our success for the rest of the season. So know what these guys are doing. School starts on the 16th, and I say that because I don't think anybody, you know, if you haven't been through it, it's hard to appreciate, all right, the day-to-day grind that these guys go through. And I know the NFL players, you get to see it on some hard knocks and different things like that, but... You know, for coaches and players to lock in and really come together and build that chemistry through the game of football, spend this much time together, uh, it's a really, really important time. And there's a lot of stuff. There's, you know, this is talking season while we're practicing and all that. There's all the speculation of what could happen and what everybody thinks until you actually go out there and play. And that's the beauty of playing is you get to settle the score in the arena. All right? You don't talk about it. You get to go out there and actually play. So all this work that we're doing and what our guys have been doing since January, it's all going to come together. Uh, and hopefully that shows up on September 3rd and we go out there and play. And then, you know what, from that point on, we're, we're into the season. Yeah, we do. So those guys can rep. Because you're repping four guys, right? I mean, those guys, you got to get, you know, split practices really help the quarterback. So they get a ton of throws in there, even if they're just thrown to a spot. Uh, but those guys will bounce around. Coach Kisas got the, all that ironed out. And, and then also even for Holden, just, you know, he's been through spring, but having a chance to go back through the install and, do it one more time, slow it down a little bit uh, until we get all together on the third day. Yeah, they're going to compete. And I think that group has is, is worked really well this summer. I think Coach Pittman, that was an emphasis for him working with that, uh, that particular group. Um, there's experience there, but we still got to figure out who the best five are. And you got guys like Brandon Council that's coming on. You got Stutz that's coming on. You got some other guys, KJ. I mean, they, they've all done things this summer to change their bodies, to physically get stronger, to understand what we're doing better. I think Coach Friend's done a really good job teaching these guys uh, and our offensive staff to help them so they understand the schemes better, what we want to accomplish, how we want to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that group, I know when I first got here, I mean, that group was, again, right? They were always under fire, okay? Everybody's talking about the O-line, and, and uh, I mean, it just, it just is what it is. And, and so uh, I think we have good players in that group. I think we showed it last year at times. Uh, I don't think we're consistent enough, and I think we've got to find guys that are, are going to be able to do that through four quarters. That's the biggest thing, because you're playing against some really good guys up front. You play the best defensive lines in the country. All right, in the SEC. So that's a challenge. And that I think physically, we're much better than we were a year ago. So that will help. And I think that's one thing about this game. We can talk about, you know, mindset and is a guy tough enough and all that. If you physically can't whoop somebody, it's hard to say that, you know, go out there and have confidence when you can't physically whoop somebody yet. So we needed to physically get ourselves better, and we did that. Now, next, let's uh, kick it down to Gainesville, where Billy Napier once again met with the media here, and we're a couple of days into training camp in Gainesville, so we're starting to get a little bit more sense of what he's got to work with this fall. And, you know, he's not the most exciting guy. Shane likes to joke, wake up, drink your extra coffee when you're coming in here listening to Billy Napier, but really, he had a great quote here on Friday. I thought this was tremendous, and, you know, maybe he's setting the He's trying to set the expectations a little bit lower, perhaps, because of guys like me pumping up the Florida Gators and what they have to work with. But the money quote 
You need to be consumed with the work, not the destination of what you're working towards. And I think that's an important message and something that he is trying to convey to his football team. Improve minute to minute, day by day, week to week. Not necessarily shooting for the stars right now because they ain't ready for it. They're not. But again, if they beat Utah, if they find a way to defend home field against Kentucky, then you start getting that momentum going heading into the week four showdown at Tennessee. So let's kick it over to to Billy Napier. Some of the best comments I think I've heard uh, here this week in the SEC. Obviously, ultimately, you'll be defined on wins and losses, and that's how you kind of measure progress. But when you're in it day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, how do you measure progress when you're when you've got it so detailed and set up like yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's a good question, Mark. I think that's one of the questions a lot of coaches are asking themselves um, often. You know, I do think that, you know, what I'm, what I really think about a lot is, you know, the improvement of each part of the organization, right? The improvement of each individual. You know, I think you got to be system oriented. Uh, we use the, the term journey, right? You've seen that hashtag. Um, and certainly we got a lot of individuals that are going about their business here to improve and grow and develop. Um, I'm evaluating, are we, uh, reaching our potential, right? Are we getting the most out of each individual? Are we getting mo- the most out of each part of the organization, right? Are our systems improving? Are we becoming more efficient? Uh, are we making the most of our opportunities, right? I think you got to get consumed with the work, right? A lot of times, uh, everyone gets, everyone wants to get consumed with the destination. You know, really believe in creating urgency and focus. You know, what do we need to, day, to do today to improve and put ourselves in position, right? We'll look up here in a little bit, but right now, you know, we got to stay in the present and focus on the work that's in front of us. And last little nugget here for the Gators. Just wanted to make this note. Defensive back Jadon Hill, uh, he's out currently for the Florida Gators. No timeline for his return, but again, this is not a very deep team. So potential starter here in the secondary Having him down, that's going to hurt. Billy Napier says they anticipate getting him back later. That's all he really said on that. So who knows when that'll be. But again, right out the gate, Utah, Kentucky, week four, Tennessee. You're going to need Jadon Hill in some of these games because there's no breaks for the Florida Gators. So it's something to monitor down there on the injury front. Now, last little nugget here around the SEC on this uh, quick little recap show. Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri Tigers, they are – Four practices down there in Columbia, heading into almost a week two in camp there. I thought it was interesting. He was asked about all the weapons they have at receiver this year, which was something we've, we've stressed all offseason with Luther Burden coming in there, with Dominic Lovett in year two, Mookie Cooper in year two. This looks to be, and and that's before getting Natoshki Dub and Barrett Bannister. I mean, this this going to be one of the most underrated receiving groups in the SEC. Any issue trying to share the ball, share the wealth, so to speak, with all these targets that the Tigers are going to have to work with. Eli Drakewitz, <laughs> he basically summed up the situation down there in Columbia real quick with a short answer here. Coach, on Monday, Chance Looper talked about how the receiver group is three, four deep and there's only one ball to spread it out. How do you as a play caller kind of distribute when you have so many talented wide receivers in the ball? I'm just trying to figure out who's going to throw it to him first, and we'll figure all that other stuff out later. 
Can't worry about that till you know who your damn quarterback is. But uh, I just thought that was great and maybe gives us an indication that they're not even close to uh, naming a starter up there in Columbia with, of course, Tyler Macon, Brady Cook, and Jack Abram now mixed into that. I think he's a distant third at this point in time. But, hey, who knows? We'll have to get more updates on that as uh, fall grant fall camp progresses in Columbia. But, hey, I hope you guys appreciated this. We're working hard to give you guys the latest SEC information. Camps all across the SEC. Everybody's camping now around the SEC. The content is just going to keep flowing all the way to kickoff here. We are less than 30 days from the first SEC Saturday. We are about three weeks out from the first SEC game with Vanderbilt Hawaii. So, so much action coming to the pod stay tuned for all the latest and greatest and next episode we'll have cousin shane back on the line but that's going to do it for this episode of the show we'll catch you on the next one